Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt and Misa proposing a conceptual work of art to honor the Trade Federation. <laughs> and I'm Jamie. You're asking me to be rational. That is something I know I cannot do. Believe me, I wish I could just wish away my feelings, but I can't. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's an Andor. That is. That's an Andor quote, right? Yeah, it's an yeah. Andor quote. Yeah, that's after the booty call. <laughs> yeah. Um, so welcome to Yubcast. Um, we are still doing our Clone Wars walk, but as you can tell from Jamie's quote, um, we're also in the middle of Andor, and based on our current publication rate, we will still be doing Andor. Still be in the middle of Andor when this goes up, but be toward the end of Andor. Um, and my quote is Jar Jar from a Clone oh. Wars episode. All right, just just so that's not from Andor. Oh, from... it's uh, it's Anakin. Oh, my bad. We are still in the middle of Andor though. Um, even if I fucked up that quote attribution. Um, but other than Andor, did you do any Star Wars this week? Yeah, so I finished um, the the newest book that came out. Um, Path of Deceit. Path of Deceit. Holy cow! That I'm not going to give anything away, but wow! That for a young adult novel, that is up there with, um, that is up there with Lost Stars. Is it like, that is a great book, and it's one of those books that I I I I, I don't want to say, but it, it 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 made me feel like oof afterwards. Like it was a lot to take in. Yeah, it's a tough book. It's a tough book, but I'm glad you liked it, because when I finished it and realized what was going on, I was like, I know Jamie sometimes skips these young adult novels, and I texted you, and I was like, it's required reading. You do a lot of them. You do a lot of them, but you you do pick and choose sometimes. Yeah, this is um, this is one of those, um, not quite as bad, but if you like, like, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo sort of stuff, or Chinatown, where at the end, you're like, huh, okay. That's something. I'm going to go sit and contemplate life for a little bit to get yourself back in the right frame of mind because it's it's a lot. It's 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 surprisingly a lot for a young adult novel and something like that's not it's not the prequel era. It's not era. It's not the High Republic era. It's the pre High Republic era. Yeah. So the so we haven't talked about High Republic much on our podcast in general. But the Phase 2 is, I think it's said 140 years before Phase 1. And mm-hmm. and I saw a joke from one of the authors, I can't remember which one, that said, oh, we got the idea to do a prequel because that's that's the order you're supposed to do them in. Like original prequel and then sequel. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's sort of funny. Like, if that's, if that's true, that's how they planned it. But um, whether or not they planned it that way, that's what's happening. Um, yeah. So this one is 130 years in the past or that that about. Yeah, the, I will say this about um, this book, and I don't want to give too much out because, like, go read it, get the audiobook or whatever. But, like, there's um, people online say that, like, a good viewing of the movies is you watch episode four, episode five, and then watch the prequels, and then Return of the Jedi. This book is, like, doing that. Um, like, if the prequels came out, but you didn't know that everything was okay and um, Return of the Jedi. So things ended like things ended on kind of like a oof note for the High Republic for Phase One. 
And then this book just like ratchets it up one more notch. So it's like you, it's like if all the stuff happened in uh, Empire Strikes Back, Han gets uh, frozen in carbonite. Luke finds out Vader's his father, arm chopped off, and they basically get their butts handed to them. And then you just take that back and watch all three to the point where like like Anakin Anakin's fall and becomes Darth Vader and kills everybody and just just that feeling of kind of hopelessness. I remember in episode three, I was just kind of like, for all its faults, it, it it was very much like, oh my god, that is a lot to take in. But at least I know everything's okay in the end. Um, I don't know that with the High Republic. I don't know how bad it's going to get because they haven't uh, released that part yet. Yeah, so the there was a lot of Twitter chatter about when that book first came out. People were saying, you'd see too many people on that line saying like, oh, I really love these new characters they're introducing, and uh, I'm only halfway through the book, don't tell me what happens. And this book is just punch after punch. Like, the back half of this book is just endless atrocities. So, and, and no, I'm not going to give anything else, I'm not going to give anything away specifically. It's just, at some point you with these High Republic books and comics just assume the worst and you're not that far off yeah they're telling they're telling a very tragic story yeah and i think like you um said on our twitter feed that like just be forewarned if you kind of grew up in very like weird um religious situations or just like an oppressive uh religious household just be forewarned it's it's kind of got a lot of that stuff that might be kind of triggering to some people it portrays it, it. It portrays a very specific kind of religious abuse, mm-hmm. and it does it from the point of view of the recipient of that abuse. And it's it can be very challenging if you grew up around that. So yeah, just understand that this is about a cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, um, you learn a lot about like different like force cults from like Alphabet Squadron. And they talk about like the Church of the Forest that Laura Santeca is in in the sequel trilogy, and then like the Guardians of the Wills, um, which are know, mentioned and, in passing in this book. Yeah, but it's just it doesn't really ever like get into it into it where this is woof. But in the end, don't want to say anything. Good book, go and read it. But yeah, other than that, I haven't done a whole lot of Star Wars. I've been. Um, here and there, I, I see snippets from like comics that like, cause I'm so far, far behind on the comics that I, I just like, I don't know where to start because there are so many that came out all at the same time and there's crossover. So it's, it's, I got to the point where I'm just like throwing my hands up in the air. I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait till it just comes out in, um, in the, uh, um, the trade paperback. Yeah. Is that the correct term? Yeah. yeah. I'll just wait. I'll just wait and then just do it then. Yeah. I haven't. I'm very far behind on the comics at this point, but I think I'm just going to have to basically start at the beginning of of the new Star Wars and the new Vader series and just start reading them through and then figure out where where the crossovers are and then sort of read them in order. But I'm easily a year or two, a year and a half behind on the comics at this point, so I should have plenty of runway yeah, to, to the, get through them. The, the new Vader series, the first few, um, I mean, they're... All of them have been great, but the first few ones have been excellent. Like this is like, if you're uh, kind of like a Star Wars fanatic, like us, like m- things about Star Wars move you, um, like emotionally. Um, just the first few um, issues of those of that comic is just is very moving. 
um, that I was just kind of like, oh, man, it's kind of dusty in here uh, reading it just because it's really uh, it, it really like it's it's really kind of an emotional thing for, I guess, for us Star Wars nerds who maybe take it a little too seriously. So you haven't done anything else this week? then? Uh, no, no, not really. Other than play with my little Grogu figurine while I'm on boring meetings. Yeah, I'm watching Andor. Oh, that, yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> Andor, what's that? Yeah. So this week, this week for me, um, I finished the Legends novel um, Rogue Squadron. It's a trilogy of novels, and I finished the third one. Um, I think there's a follow-up novel to it as well, um, which is Gamble is the name of the third one. And it's about the it's the legend story about Rogue Squadron being the tip of the spear for the rebel invasion of Coruscant. It is a very dark story because the subplot for spoilers for a 20-year-old book, um, the Empire wants, the Imperial Remnant wants the Rebellion to capture Coruscant, because the second they do, their plan is to release a bioweapon that kills non-human species that live on Coruscant, um, because they know the Rebels will go bankrupt trying to fight the virus. And I didn't know that was the plot. I probably would have skipped it. Um, because I I don't need... Yeah, a little too much. A little too close. A little too close to home, yeah. So... It's a good book, though. It's, it was fun. It's fun. These legend books are pretty entertaining. Um, so I finished that book, and then I watched some Andor. And if you guys can hear some background noise in my in my basement right now, it's because I'm printing, I'm back to 3D printing sections of the Jabba's Palace place that I'm building. So I'm really excited to be doing that again. Um, but I won't plan it to already negotiate with Jamie that I won't be printing during any future recordings. <laughs> so everything will be fine next time. Here's a question. What are you going to do when, hopefully it doesn't happen, when your boys are just kind of like, and you're like, hey, you know what, let's build this new, do the Star Wars thing, and they're just kind of like, nah, nah, that's all right. Um, So the older one is sort of getting there already. I'm like, do you want to do some Star Wars stuff? And he's like, maybe. Um, The younger one is still pretty into it. Um, I'll still do it. I've made, I've made the joke, like the pretty serious joke um, that, the remainder of my ambition in life is to play Star Wars with my grandkids, and I think that that's a reasonable goal. Mm-hmm. Like, stay healthy enough and active enough, and and be in my children's lives enough to where they'll want to bring their kids over, and when they come over, they can play Star Wars. My house is basically a playground, right? And I've talked about this with like other parents and, and other friends like the basement of our new house is decked out entirely in star wars there's a it's where the tv is it's where the star wars toys are it's where the 3d printer is and all the posters and it's eventually going to be where everybody where the kids come in and out of the house because we're going to put a mud room at the back door to the <laughs> basement <laughs> i'm sorry why is that? Um, mudroom in the back door, but that's... Oh. I'm still a 13-year-old at heart, so... Oh, man. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, the the other floors, like, like they have a library of their books. They've got musical instruments, pianos, guitars, right? Um, there's video game systems. This house is a playground, um... And I just want I just want them to feel like safe, secure, and fulfilled. And if they don't want to play Star Wars anymore, they don't have to play Star Wars. But I'm gonna keep the Star Wars toys. Like I'm I'm forty something and I still play Star Wars. They'll come back around. Yeah. Like they're still gonna they're make Star Wars freaking forever, right? Yeah. And so eventually 
like I was in college when the prequels were coming out and I was going to see the prequels and eventually like I hope it's one of the things that they that they want to do when they're older like like a blanket you know like we we do family movie night every weekend one night every weekend and we just take turns the littlest kid picks a movie the boy picks a movie then my wife picks a movie then I pick a movie and then we just cycle through, and so we watched like all the Harry Potters together because my wife picks those. We just finished Indiana Jones because we watched all three Indiana Jones movies, and that's all there are. <laughs> um, yes, that's all there will ever be. If there was another Indiana Jones movie, I'm pretty sure I'd have heard of it by now, right? <laughs> that's the type of thing I would know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but we watched Last Crusade last night, and now we're done with Indiana Jones. And like the kids pick movies they want to watch, right? Movies I've never heard of. Um, because I don't know what, like, uh, I watched The Bad Guys or whatever, which was, like, an animated movie about, like, the big bad wolf and his, like, heist crew. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like it's that, it's that, but it's, like, for kids, right? I've, yeah, I've seen it. It's, it's something else. Exactly. Luckily, but... I, was, luckily I was cooking dinner at the time, so I, no, I didn't have to pay too much attention to it. But it's also based on a series of books, and my kids have read all the books, right? Because we also live, like, down the street from the library, and so we just go to the library all the time. And they've gotten every single issue of, or every single book in that series that the library carries, right? And so I didn't know it was a series of books until after the movie, and they told me. But it's just one of these things where, yeah, they can they'll outgrow it, but if it's part of their childhood, it's part of their, like, cultural memory, they're never really going to outgrow it. Yeah. Right? Star Wars isn't stupid, Right, like, it's not like it's not like Barney. Like you don't really outgrow you don't really outgrow it. It just becomes just means something different to you at other times. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't think people are like super nostalgic for like Teletubbies, but oh, I'm sure certain people are. But yeah, they're called they're furs. weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should be locked away. Yeah, I mean, like you know what I mean though. Like there's. There's shows that you just there's shows and cultural things you outgrow, and then there's things that are foundational that yeah. you never that you never outgrow, right? And so, like we haven't watched Lord of the Rings together yet, and I really want to do that. Oh, that's a that's a sore subject for me. Yeah, I, um, I didn't mean to bring I, it up. Sorry. Yeah, my my son my son read The Hobbit, and he didn't really care for it. So I was like, okay, we'll just watch the the Lord of the Rings movie. It's like, oh, that'll surely just hook him, and then eventually he will. Uh, then he'll he'll be interested and suffer through the first part of uh, Fellowship to get to the really good stuff. He didn't finish Fellowship. He didn't like it at all. I'm just like, oh, it was like a dagger through my heart. It's like, yeah. it's like if I just like started him with a Cimmerillion or something. It's just like <laughs> then I can understand. Yeah, I was gonna. I was looking for the Cimmerillion joke there. Couldn't couldn't get there. Um. You're gonna start this. No, the the joke is like, oh no, this is the good stuff. Let's let's bust out, <laughs> let's bust out the intolerable stuff. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're gonna start. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna start you on the the first Dune book. We're gonna start with um, the seventh four or five. You know, <laughs> the, all the all the stuff with the weird sex stuff. And then if you're good and you do all your chores, you'll get to read the first one. Yeah, I still haven't watched the new Dune movie. It's good. I know. It's only the first half of the the book. I know. <laughs> it's on my list. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. You, you get to see Azar Isaac naked, so 
Yeah. Come on. We were, we've talked about this and on this show. We've talked about Oscar Isaac's dick before on this show. We have? I don't know. I mean, I, I talk about it so much that it's just like... Just background noise? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, can we move on to the show? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Let's do that. We are uh, talking about Clone Wars, supposedly. All right. Let's do... I'm going to do the... I'm going to do the writer this week, so um, real quick, um, we're talking, this is our 14th episode in our Clone Wars walk, so we're past the 10, 10% mark this episode, um, so it's only going to take us uh, 60 more years to finish. <laughs> um, this episode's called Bombad Jedi, it is season 1, episode 8, we're doing them in chronological order. Um, before, Jamie, before Jamie does the summary this week, I just want to mention right at the top, the writer um, of this episode, the writing credit goes to a guy named Kevin Rubio, and he has, this is the only episode he's credited with writing um, of any Star Wars um, show, um, but I want to remember, remind everybody that a few episodes ago we talked about the writer of the episode Shadow of Malevolence. His name is Stephen Melching, and he was um, a writer of the fan film um, Troops, which is a spoof of the 90s show Cops. Do you remember when we talked about that? Oh, yeah. So Kevin is the other writer of Troops, and he was credited as being the writer and sort of director, and Stephen Melching was sort of like the second writer and director of that show. He's, Kevin has top billing on that. But he's most famous for being the author of Tag and Bink. Have you read any Tag and Bink stuff? Uh, no, but I am aware of who they are. They are the, they are the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of Star Wars, right? Correct. That is the perfect, um, Shakespearean reference to pull here. Um, they are, Tag and Bink is a comedic comic about two characters named Tag and Bink, who, like Jamie said, are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. They are background characters and, um, are mistaken for stormtroopers and TIE pilots and are in every single scene of Star Wars, but you don't know that they're there. And it it is like a it is it is in like the eighties style of comedic um comics that are like crumb ish but not no sex stuff, but you know what I mean, like that style of like um freak brothers sort of stuff um from forever ago. It's like that art style, but it's set in Star Wars and it's slapstick comedy about that. Tag and Bink were actually supposed to make a cameo appearance in Solo, but they were cut. Uh. Um, they were supposed to make their, a canonical cameo appearance in Solo, because Solo was supposed to be a lighthearted comedy, but they couldn't decide if it was going to be funny or not, and they switched directors and all that stuff. Um, and so it's two movies that were pasted together, and Tag and Bink got cut. Um, so that was the only only production trivia I'm going to give on this one, um, but there's a lot of notes I have for this episode because we canceled the recording last week and I spent a week doing research on this and went too far, too deep, too much, <laughs> and I might be editing some of my own comments out. Yeah, you, you're about to unleash the bell rocks. you dug too deep, right? Yep. Um, let's keep up with the Tolkien references. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. You can go into the summary if you'd like. Okay. So the tag is heroes are made by the times. The Clone Wars threatens the unity 
the world's leading republic. Padme travels to Rhodia to ensure that they remain in the Republic. The, uh, Rhodia is where the Rhodians are, so essentially Greedo's species. So on her way, uh, Fia Hologram Palpatine is asking Padme why she went to Rhodia without the clone escort. Uh, she tells them that the people are there are suffering and then they need her aid, that uh, Senator Far from Rhodia is an old family friend, and that she could not turn down his request. Palpatine says it's too dangerous to go out to the Outer Rim. Padme argues that troops are not necessary. Um, we now see that uh, 3PO and Jar Jar Binks are also with Padme. Jar Jar causes this ship, uh, which is just a uh, Naboo cruiser, to fly er uh, erotically. Er er erratically. <laughs> and uh, and erotically. <laughs> that this cruiser is a rockin', don't come a knockin'. Okay. Um, oh, shoot. Okay, so Palpatine recommends the only qualified people uh, conduct the discussions with discussion discussions. Created a new word uh, uh, with Rodia. Padme reassures him that she will. And all I can think of is like in this scene, all I can think of is like Palpatine's thing, thinking that like all this scheming, all this hard work, and Jar Jar is just like he's just a wild card that cannot be accounted for. Right. So so just before we go any further. Um, I just want to sort of establish where we are in the production timeline and where we are in our timeline, because we are watching them out of release order, but we're watching them in the more sensible order, um, canonical order. This is the eighth episode ever released for the series, and so this is the first Jar Jar episode. So Jar Jar appears for the first time in Clone Wars in this episode, but it's not the first time we've seen him in our viewing order. We saw him in Supply Lines which is a season three ep uh, episode where he does the plate spinning thing where my quote comes from. Mm -hmm. So this is the introduction of Jar Jar into Clone Wars. Right. Just want to get that out, out in front. Yeah. And the fact that C-3PO, the fact that her entourage are the two most incompetent characters in Star Wars, I think we're going to talk about later. But Yeah, <laughs> that says a lot. <laughs> okay. All right. So, the Naboo cruiser uh, reaches a dome city and, and lands in a hangar. Uh, Jar Jar is uh, excited that Rhodia is a swamp planet because he's comes from the swamps. So it's kind of cool for him to be in another swamp area. Padme asks Jar Jar to watch over uh, C-3PO and uh, stay on the ship. Uh, Jar Jar is disappointed, but he probably knows that he's a bit of a fuck up. That he's the he's the um, He's the person that always gets left behind uh, it's Simpson. To, watch, to watch the dog. Yeah, it's Simpson being asked to watch the bee in the basement yeah. during, during the oh. inspection. Yeah. Like, oh, the bee got away. We did bad. <laughs> the, bee bit, the bee bit my bottom. My bottom got big. <laughs> Padme is led to a Rodian... Um, Named uh, uh, Senator Far. Uh, Far um, sounds is is um, done by uh, D. Bradley Baker and sounds a lot like Klaus from American Dad. Uh, he's he's a great voice actor. He does a, um, a lot of different things, but he sounds so much like Klaus. My colonies. <laughs> Sensual boy by Klaus. Smell it. Sorry, I just like I just love that, so I had to play it. So it, it that's was, a great, that's episode, a great, was a that's bit... a great comparison. Thank you. 
yeah, this episode was kind of hard for me just because I, um, the way he <clears throat> did Farr's voice was so close to Klaus's that all I could hear was Klaus and like the the various awful things that he says uh, throughout American Dad. Far and Padme are happy to see each other. They're, they're old friends. Far makes uh, self-deprecating comments, then launches into the situation his people are in and how he feels that the Republic has abandoned them. He tells Padme that people are starving. Padme makes some excuses for the Republic, and Far tells her that he's trading Padme for relief and is joining the Separatists. Padme is then arrested by B-1 battle droids. Newt Gunray shows up on a hologram. Padme quickly calls 3-3PO on a comm. Far apologizes. Padme gets mad, yells at him, pleading with him to reconsider. The uh, battle droids take away and destroy the uh, communicator. Yeah, so this is this is the, the moment where they sort of establish what the episode's going to be about, right? It's not really a relief mission, a negotiation it's really um, Padme's in another mess. Yeah. And she does not have the resources and tools with her to to sort of navigate the situation she's found herself in because she brought the um, effeminate droid and the slapstick clown from her home planet. And this is sort of where the theme comes in a little bit, where it's like, how do you rise to the, to the occasion? How do you interpret what's going on and how to use the tools that are at your disposal to solve the problem? And the problem is, is that this piece of shit completely stabbed her in the back. Yeah, and she calls him uncle uh, and he betrays her. So it's it's very it's like being being betrayed by a family member. Right. And they she says that her father was one of his best allies in the Senate. It's a line that doesn't quite make any sense. Doesn't quite make sense because her father wasn't a senator. He was like a humanitarian worker. Um, so he probably had dealings with Rhodia because they're both outer rim planets. Um, I don't know if Naboo's considered mid-rim, but it's it's out there. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking that maybe like they, they ran some sort of a blackmail operation and he was just, uh, her dad was just very, he was a, uh, Far was just his best customer. I'd buy that. That's the best explanation. There's no explanation for how they know each other in canon, so that's now canon. Yeah. We solved it. You're welcome, everybody. I'll update Wikipedia later. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so Nuke Enray says that he's on his way with food and will take Padme with him. Jar Jar and C-3PO are waiting at the ship, and Jar Jar tries to communicate with the swamp creatures by screaming into the void. Huh. Cancels, so they call, uh, they're like dragonflies, fly out of something and throws fruit at him, hitting C-3PO. So there's a lot of slapstick in this episode because, like you said, they're they're both kind of they've they've always kind of been the incompetent characters. So uh, Jar Jar thinks he, he's misunderstood. Battle droids show up to arrest them. Jar Jar runs onto the ship and tries to close the door, but falls out trying to get C-3PO. Jar Jar accidentally activates uh, an electromagnet and gra- that grabs C-3PO, so it's kind of like the big... Um, it's like a car magnet. crusher magnet, right? Yeah, something like on a crane, and it, it grabs 3PO, um, and Jar Jar accidentally swings the magnet into the battle droids and destroys the four that were there. And then back to Padme, she's being walked into the prisoner's tower and again pleads with Far not to let them lock her up, but he does not respond. Can we stop about, do you want to talk about theme here at all, or do you want to just get through the plot? Um, no, no, go ahead. So, 
because this is the first appearance of Jar Jar, there's sort of an absurd amount of analysis of this episode online, both from other people that analyze these cartoons and from Lucasfilm people themselves. And I want to talk about like the pairing of C-3PO and Jar Jar. So in an interview, um, Gilroy and Filoni said that, that this pairing was very intentional, that they wanted an original trilogy character known for comedic moments to be paired with Jar Jar, um, who's supposed to be comedic relief for the prequel trilogy. Whether or not that's successful or not is sort of beside the point. Um, and they wanted that relationship to be strained. They wanted the relationship between C-3PO and Jar Jar to have C-3PO be um, frustrated with Jar Jar and sort of abused by his silliness. Mm-hmm. And and Dave Filoni said in, in, in an interview about this episode, about bringing Jar Jar back, that they were very aware that Jar Jar was a hated character by the original fans, especially, and basically blamed for a lot of the problems with the prequel trilogy. And that's why C-3PO is the stand-in for the original trilogy fans in this episode, who's constantly rolling his eyes um, at Jar Jar and being upset with his antics, but eventually, like, coming to understand him as a character and, like, what role he plays. And we'll talk more about, like, the theme of this episode in a little bit, but, but this dynamic they establish here where... Jar Jar is like doing his thing and C-3PO is getting hit in the face with caca fruit. You know, that's, <laughs> the na- that's the name of the fruit. Um, that is supposed to be like Filoni saying, I know you original trilogy fans hate this guy and you think he's abusing you. You think <laughs> like his presence is ruining Star Wars for you. Um, but please stand by, right? And I like that. I like that theme. I like how they use the characters to telegraph that theme. Um, Padme's being walked into the tower. She pleads again with Far not to let them lock her up. He does not respond. They it's a very interesting, like I don't know, it's kind of weird, like medieval way that they lock her up. They like instead of just like okay, toss her in a cell, they actually like um, strap her to the wall, like like something from like medieval times. Like she's standing with her arms up uh, and cuffed. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty brutal way to imprison somebody. Right. Um, since you brought up medieval times, do you want to talk about the theme the theme of this episode, or like the the archetype of this episode, or you want to do that a little bit later? Uh, let's do that a little bit later. Okay. Okay. So then, back with Jar Jar and C three PO, a crab droid shows up. Three uh, PO is still stuck on the magnet and warns Jar Jar. Jar Jar runs and fights the droid, and then ends up falling over the edge uh, with the droid. C three PO thinks Jar Jar has been killed. And he claims he knew this would happen. This is more of that dialogue that's supposed to be like, like, there you go. Here's your, here's your fantasy wish fulfillment. <laughs> um, OT guys, Jar Jar died. Yeah. Three uh, PO ruminates on Jar Jar's death, and Jar Jar shows up alive. Three PO asks to be let down finally, and Jar Jar turns the magnet off, dropping C three PO. He then uh, destroys the Naboo cruiser with the magnet somehow. Uh, basically, yeah, it basically just drops it and it smashes like a quarter of the ship. Yeah, there's a there's a pretty pretty horrifying um, continuity error here. Um, if you look carefully at the magnet, um, so the magnet C three PO is stuck to the magnet on sort of the bottom side of this plate magnet. 
So he's looking at the floor all the time. And the magnet was used to sort of knock over a bunch of battle droids. And the pieces of the battle droids are also stuck to the bottom of the magnet with C-3PO, like a head and an arm and a leg. Um, But shot for shot, the pieces change orientation and the number of pieces and the types of pieces of battle droids stuck to the magnet are changing shot to shot. There's no continuity at all. (sighs) And when they turn off, when they turn off the magnet, when Jar Jar turns off the magnet, a lot more pieces fall off of the magnet than were ever present. Well, it's a good thing this series is already over because with a damning thing like that, there'd be a lot of people cleaning out their desks. After yes. you know, after this after this episode makes it to Lucasfilm, I'm allowed to be pedantic. It's, it's my show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed. I'm allowed to point out all these continuity errors. Did you see the note I put in the uh, in the side? What that crab droid's uh, called? No, it's a muckraker droid. So it's it has a part time job in a. Um, early 19th or early 20th century newspaper looking up um, embarrassing facts about local politicians. <laughs> That's funny. So Padme has changed the tower and the cell door is closed behind her. She, and she's uh, spitting insults at far while this occurs. Now back on the destroyed ship, C-3PO suggests that they try to contact the clones for help. Jart, um, and they said like, Jar Jar is like, like nothing's working but this button. But like, I, which I find weird because he hasn't pressed it. Like, how does he know it works? But whatever. Okay, that's me being pedantic. So he randomly hits a button and the closet doors appear. That reveals reveals a Jedi cloak, and uh, Anakin's rubber gimp suit and underpants. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> yep. it's just. <laughs> Um, and like, and there's actually something like C-3PO, like, like, no, actually, sorry, Jar Jar's like, oh, like, why did she have this? And like, C-3PO's like, oh, I'm sure I don't know. So like, C-3PO knows something's going on. So they find like Anakin's stash of, of stuff, his toothbrushes and, uh, and whatnot that he keeps uh, with Padme just in case he needs it. 3PO suggests that they hide in the closet, which... Oh my! <laughs> it's it's a joke. I don't think they're making a joke about it, but it's a line in the show, and I want to make a joke about it. Yes, because three PO is played. Um... He's not played as a homosexual character, but he's played as a fop, yeah. right? Like a Shakespearean fop. Like he is an effeminate character, asexual but effeminate, right? So you can interpret that any way you want. It's meant to be ambiguous. It's meant to be not important for his character, but he is played as an effeminate character, and he says, maybe we should hide in the closet. <laughs> it's, you have to, it's like finding out that Anthony Weiner is sending pictures of his dick over his phone to people. <laughs> you have to make the joke. It doesn't yes. matter. You're, you're legally required at that point to make a joke. Yeah, and and like I said earlier, I am I am a thirteen year old who's just been had a lot of this the same birthday over and over and over again. I still find farts and dick jokes funny. Yeah, that's a good joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> okay, so Jar Jar thinks that they uh, need to help Padme, and he gets the idea to use the cloak as a disguise. 
So, uh, so back with uh, Far, he's told that uh, Newt Gingray is on his way. Far is excited and he assumes Padme's companions fled into the swamp. Jar Jar puts on the cloak and somehow gets stuck doing so. Uh, C-3PO joins in and saying, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, there's a... We can talk a lot about this cloak later, but this is not a good start to this plan. Like, I'm going to wear the cloak as a disguise. And then the cloak doesn't even have arms in it, and he gets stuck. He says his eye is stuck in the armhole or something like that. Mm. It's like, it's not, it's not, it's not a jacket. It's a cloak. It basically is like a hood with a cape attached to it. Yeah, it's like a poncho. Yeah, it's a poncho. That's a great, that's a great description. That's all it is. It's a poncho. It's nothing else. It, uh, I just hate, I hate this. I hate that line so much. I watched this way too many times this week. And every time that line came up, I just got mad. Uh, Gunray uh, finally arrives and Far welcomes him. Gunray immediately asks to see Padme. Far tells Gunray that Padme is in the prisoner tower. Jar Jar and C-3PO overhear this. A battle droid sees them and Jar Jar in the cloak and he assumes that Jar Jar is a Jedi. They open fire and uh, Jar Jar runs away through a grate in the floor into the water. So this, so this is the other line that really pissed me off, or this other sequence that pissed me off. Jar Jar's whole plan is to put on a cloak as a disguise. They see him in the cloak. They assume he's a Jedi, and he's confused. He's like, "Why do they think I'm a Jedi?" And I'm like, "What was your plan? Like, what did, you dressed up like a Jedi? It, like, what's the disguise for if not for pretending to be a Jedi?" Well, to be fair, um, there's a lot of Star Wars where people just wear cloaks. And that's just their disguise. So you just, just didn't want them to see that he's a Gungan? Yeah. All right. So this whole sequence where he runs and then disappears through the floor, we haven't really described the city. It's basically, it's like a floating city. It's floating on like these swamp marshy lands. And there's basically grates that people are walking on. And Jar Jar disappears through a hatch in one of these grates. Um, Gilroy, who's one of the animators and directors of these shows, he said that he intentionally made this scene to look like Obi-Wan Kenobi disappearing after Vader hits him with a lightsaber, Mm -hmm. um, to sort of pay homage to that. And the interview is hilarious because he's, he and Filoni are sitting next to each other and he's describing the scene and says, oh, this is where I wanted, wanted it to look like Obi-Wan Kenobi's death in A New Hope. And Filoni looks at him and he says, you never told me that. And he's like, well, it's just something I wanted to do. And he's like, you should have told me. We could have made it better. <laughs> <laughs> and Gilroy looks like a little crestfallen, like he thought he was doing something cool. And Filoni's like, we could have done that better. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Keep going. Yeah, no, I yeah, I had actually gotten that. Um, um, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's kind of like that scene, uh, the, the, the scene where Ben disappears. So now I'm, I'm glad that it was actually uh, intentional. Yep, intended. Yeah. So underwater, Jar Jar meets a large beast uh, named Bogey, and it's a uh, quasi-mao. Yeah. Is that how he's... Uh, quasi-mao or quasi-mao, quasi. probably? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a big, um, kind of like an eel-like thing, except kind of has like um, has like big eyes and like um, kind, of, kind of look like an eel slash caterpillar yeah. without the legs. Yeah, I mean... It, Caterpillars don't. They have like like those little stubby legs, right? It's sort of. It, yeah. That's a good description of it. It's like a yeah. gigantic. It's like a gigantic, like fifty foot long, like segmented worm with a huge mouth mm-hmm. underwater and like tentacles. Not tentacles, but like um, antennae. 
Um, we know that it's a male because only males have green glowing stripes. The females do not. So you're welcome. And, yeah. And how do we know that? Uh, it's in Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. Duh. Duh. <laughs> All right. So uh, Gunray demands to be taken to Padme immediately. Jar Jar comes out of the water, grabs his cloak, and devotes himself to rescuing Padme. Battle droids get the alert that there's a Jedi. Padme overhears this, and then she taunts the droids. She then starts uh, narrating that she's actually being rescued by the droid while she picks her wrist binders, which I'm not sure where she came up with the pick. but um, Came out of her boot. She had it in her boot. Okay, I must have missed that. So when the droids go in the cell to check up on her, um, she's gone, and then she overwhelms the droids and quickly escapes. Now, this part is kind of like, um, I always wonder, like, people, like, I can understand, like, the clones punching and, and like, um, kicking the droids because they've got armor on. But she does, like, a bunch of, like, kicks and stuff to the droids. And I think that, like, that would really hurt. Yeah, there's a lot of, she has a lot of, in general in this episode, Padme does a lot of parkour, right? She's, like, doing, like, wall kicks and flying down from the ceiling while shooting and not missing any shots. It, I like badass Padme. Don't get, don't get me wrong on that. She does she does a lot of physicality in this episode. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, in, in this episode, she's Radme. There you go. <laughs> Nailed it. Got it yep. in one. <laughs> um, yeah, cause there, there's one part where she actually falls, like six or eight feet and I like to think of, and then she just lands just kind of like does like a black widow kind of pose like like she lands perfectly like all i'm thinking is like i fall down i i do that and i'm just like my ankle is twisted and i'm just like ah <laughs> uh, just screaming in pain but yeah uh, that's the that's the role of a 40 year old man it's like a it's like like oh i missed the bottom step I guess this is the rest of my night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just laid up, just like, ugh. So uh, 3PO is being taken away when Padme emerges and shoots his droid guards. 3PO tells him that Jar Jar is mistaken as a Jedi and the ship has been destroyed. And she's like, Trade Federation? And he's like, no, Jar Jar? He's like, yeah. He's like, uh, of course. <laughs> That's a wonderful comedic moment. Honestly laughed. Yeah. Honestly laughed several times in my re- reviewings. The line delivery is fucking perfect. Yeah, I, I imagine like the the form that she has to fill out when she returns to Naboo, <laughs> like why the ship ship is destroyed, and she goes through the checklist and like Trade Federation, and then like the last one is just Jar Jar, <laughs> and she just checks the Jar Jar. She tells three uh, PO to find a communications room and send a distress call, and she's going after Jar Jar. Now Jar Jar is scaling the side of the tower to rescue Padme, not knowing that she's already escaped. Far asks Gunray when the supplies will arrive. Gunray tells him the supplies will show up after Padme's execution. Far is definitely upset by this, but he's trapped at this point. Far knows he's made a mistake, but he also knows that Jedi is their only hope. This is very much um, Lando. Um, yeah. This deal keeps getting worse all the time sort of moment for Far. And they don't quote that at all here, but it, it would be a perfect place for him to say, like, this deal keeps getting worse all the time. Because he is clearly in way over his head. Mm-hmm. He made he made a devil's bargain, and like this is a Faustian bargain, right? And now the devil's here to collect, and the devil doesn't give a shit about your feelings. Yeah, yeah. He even says that. Uh, he even tells Padme, like, I had no choice. 
because that's, yeah. that's exactly and she what throws Lana that right says. back in his face <laughs> and she's right right like he made he made a bad choice if he would have communicated back to her what was going on there, there could have been a completely different outcome here um or a completely different sequence of events so mm-hmm. the party arrives at the tower and the battle droid tells gunray that uh, she's escaped jar jar screams escape revealing that he was hiding and jar jar falls when the droids shoot him but he's tangled in a vine and lands unharmed. Now this is like Jar Jar's whole MO through the episode is that he just kind of like stumbles he or stumbles or bumbles into just kind of victory. So he's back on the he's back on the grate. Padme shoots the droids and Jar Jar slips back into the water. Uh, the droids start dro- dropping uh, detonators in the water and Jar Jar slips away. Now, C-3PO gives some misdirection to the battle droids um, so he can get away. And a super battle droid shoots some sort of heat-seeking missile in the water at Jar Jar. Jar Jar tries to get away but encounters the, the Quasi-Maw again and has to swim back. And on the surface, Padme is picking off droids to avoid capture. Underwater, Jar Jar is between the missile and the uh, Quasi-Maw, and the missile goes off. Um, the whole place rattles, and Padme thinks Jar Jar is dead right when she's captured by Newt Gunray. This is the second. This is the second death of Jar Jar in this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just want to put it out there that that this episode's all about killing Jar Jar. <laughs> so C three PO finds a communications room and he calls the clones. He sends part of the um, message, but then he's uh, captured again. Underwater, we see that Jar Jar was not killed uh, by the missile, but he was inside the mouth of the uh, the Quasi Maw. Um, Padme and C-3PO are captured, and they think Jar Jar is dead. She tells C-3PO that Jar Jar is dead, and C-3PO has this nice reflection moment that is less heavy than the first time he thought Jar Jar was dead in this episode, but uh, it's still caring. So um, at this point, uh, Newt Gunray is just going to kill Padme right away. And uh, Jar Jar shows up, and then uh, Uncle Ono, or Far, points out that the droids uh, turn to... um, to shoot Jar Jar, thinking he's a Jedi. The Quasi-Maw breaks through the floor and attacks the droids, and the blaster bolts don't seem to affect the Maw. Um, Padme captures the Viceroy, and the Viceroy's ship is destroyed. Because they all think that Jar Jar somehow used his Jedi powers to, to bring this huge beast. Right. It, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy plot device, but, it, but from their point of view, he survived multiple attacks against him that should have killed him. So he must be powerful, right? And now yeah. there's this big monster wreaking havoc. Yeah. Gunray instructs um, Far to shoot Padme. Padme tells uh, Far that uh, to tell the Viceroy that there's a secret, that he was working with the Republic the entire time. Uh, Far catches on, confirms he's with the Republic, and that he's taking the Viceroy into custody. Uh, just right at that mo- uh, moment when... Gunray is like, you'll live to regret this sort of Scooby-Doo nonsense. A fleet of uh, clone troopers arrive and show up to secure the area. But before that, Jar Jar is kind of like, they think his name is Bombad. So they call him like um, Master Bombad. They sure do. We'll talk about that in a second. So Ono asks Padme to forgive him, and Padme says the Republic owes him an an apology for ignoring the Rodians' needs. Palpatine shows up on a hologram to say release supplies are on the way and how impressed he is with Jar Jar. And freeze frame the end. All right, before we get into it, um, I want to talk about that hologram with Palpatine. 
how the hell did he know what was going on? Yeah. We've talked about this in previous episodes, like, how much does Palpatine know? But this is, like, this isn't, like, him knowing this the secret bombing run to destroy some enemy super weapon. This is him knowing, like, what Padme had for lunch. <laughs> this is, like, very high-resolution data about what just happened. Nobody had time to give a report. And he's just like, oh, I heard that you're really important here. Like, you had a lot to do with this plot of this episode. This must have I'm, been a Jar Jar episode. I'm assuming that it took some time for, like, the, the clone ships to land. Um, so maybe um, somewhere in that time period that the basic story got out um, and made sure. its way to Palpatine. Sure, there's off-camera there's off time lapse. Got it. Right. So these, these clone troops... So even though this is sort of a standalone episode, the next episode that we're going to watch feeds data from this episode or information from this episode feeds into that episode. And these clone troopers are uh, Commander Gree of the 41st Elite Corps and they're Luminara's troops. She's, she doesn't come down with the troops, um, but these are Luminara's troops. And the next episode, Luminara and Ahsoka and the 41st are transporting Newt Gunray back for trial. And that's that's the plot of the next episode. So it's directly connected to this one. It's not really an arc because only that detail carries forward. Um, but I like to point point out the continuity when I see it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for certain. Um, and then a couple of, a couple other things before we move on to whether or not you like the episode. Actually, let's let's talk about planet design after. So um, thanks for doing the plot summary this week. Uh, did you like the episode? I did. I did. I mean, it's not favorite but i liked it it wasn't like awful to sit through and i'm i'm kind of a uh i've kind of turned the corner with jar jar and where i'm not um i don't hate him uh, as much as i used to and i'm i'm happy to see him and stuff because I, i've kind of come to accept that's the role that he is supposed to be he's just kind of the clown he's just gonna he's just gonna fall fall over backwards do random stuff and somehow end end up ahead or somehow moving the plot ahead somehow through his incompetence. Yeah, so I'm very I'm very similar to you in this episode. If if you're going to have a Jar Jar character, um, this is probably the perfect sort of format for him, right? You need to be like drunken master level, like failing up, um, sort of thing, right? He can't help but succeed, and you don't quite understand how he's doing it. Mm-hmm. And he's perfect for cartoons. We're gonna talk about that in a minute too, but. But I think this episode works on like a really fundamental level. So I want to talk about the theme of the episode, or like the archetype of the episode, rather. Um, this is a fairy tale, and it is very intentionally structured to be like a fairy tale. It is the princess slash damsel in distress put in the high tower, and the jester who puts on the night suit to save her. Um, and it, there's a moment where Jar Jar is scaling the tower to save the princess, like it's Rapunzel. <laughs> yeah. And these are imid. This is imagery that they intentionally included. The quasi ma um, was added later in the script because Filoni said, like, we're we're writing a fairy tale and there's no dragon. We need to put a dragon in here, mm-hmm. right? And all of these elements are incredibly intentional. It is it is supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be written this way. And he's supposed to be like the court jester who accidentally saves the day. And when you and when the court jester puts on the knight's armor in all of these stories, they become the target. And he becomes the target. Um, but let's talk about this cloak. 
So I know we I know we joked that it was Anakin's cloak. Um, I assume you did not do a ton of research on on the production of this episode. No, it is not Anakin's cloak. Oh, it was not. <laughs> it was not intended. The original concept. The original concept of this episode was a Cyrano de Borjak, um take where a Jedi was controlling Jar Jar to be a Jedi while the Jedi stayed in hiding. Um, and the Jedi that was going to control Jar Jar was Quinlan. Oh, that cool. Is, that is Quinlan's cloak in in the ship, not Anakin's. It became Anakin's cloak when Quinlan, when they decided that they didn't have the budget to render Quinlan yet. And that was, it was a budgetary decision, not a plot one. Hmm. Oh, we, we, we need a, uh, a little drop from like Maury Povich is saying, you are not the father. <laughs> <laughs> In the case of one-year-old Rylan, Colin, you are not. <laughs> All right, that's done. <laughs> yeah, so, so the whole, so Quinlan will show up later in Clone Wars, but right now we're in the first dozen episodes, right, of production, and they're penny pinching. And you can see, you can see them taking shortcuts with animation still. In the um, narrator crawl in the beginning, there is a shot of a V-Wing flying apart, and it is very poorly animated. I'll put it that way. Um, but more about this cloak, the animation team has written extensively about this cloak. So apparently animating a cloak in CG is fucking impossible because there's too many polygons to render to make it look like it's a piece of fabric that like rests on, like forms a shape around an object. Mm-hmm. I could see that. They spent a shit ton of money making this cloak work. I think it looks great. I'll put it out there. Like for what mm-hmm. they're what they're achieving, what they accomplished. Um, I watched this episode multiple times after knowing that they obsessed over how this cloak was like draping on Jar Jar. I think they did a great job. It looks it looks great. Any thoughts about that cloak? Uh no, not really. But uh, I, I never really thought about like how difficult it would be to to animate. Yeah, it's it's one of these things that you don't think about until until someone says it and you're like, oh wait, that would be fucking impossible to do, right? Because it would be tens of thousands of points of inflection on the thing, mm-hmm. right? And you have to animate every single one. Um, all right, so we already talked about C-3PO and Jar Jar being OT and PT stand-ins. Um, I want to talk about Rhodey of the planet. Okay. So we've talked about we've talked about um, the dried up coral reef planet before um in ambush yeah the uh the one with the um oh i can't think of their toydarians yeah the toydarian king that was a dried up coral reef planet so they wanted to toydaria and teth which is a planet from it's like a forest planet from the movie clone wars movie these were the first two planets that they rendered um and had and had biomes for or biome ideas for and the animators admit that it doesn't translate well. What they wanted to do didn't translate well. But the concept of the Rodian planet is a planet where the plants grow upside down. And so the roots, those big um, fluorescent bulbs in all of the buildings, mm-hmm. those are the roots of the plants. And when Jar Jar's underwater, you see huge leaves everywhere. Those are the leaves of the plants. And so the plant the concept of Rhodia is a planet that grows upside down. Huh. But all the all of the animators I saw interviews with are like, yeah, it didn't really work. Um it didn't really look like what we wanted it to look like on screen. 
but that's the concept. And I love the idea of like trying things like that. And so they originally made Rhodia, and then they showed it to George. Like they showed like flyby animation of it, and they're pretty late in production. And George looked at it and he said, "Where are the domes? Rhodian cities are all covered in domes." And they're like, "Oh!" And so then they added those big glass domes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could have. Uh... It's like we could have used that information a, a while ago, George. Thanks. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Yeah, it's funny because some of the animators were like, and then he comes by and says, like, they're supposed to be under domes. And we're like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it works, though. And the domes are supposedly there because it's not for an air, it's not for an atmosphere reason. It's for violent weather event reasons. I don't have very much else. I just want to point out that the Quasima is a, um, a concept art drawn by Macquarie, and it was supposed to be, it was one of the monsters that he originally envisioned to be on Dagobah, but it was more albino looking. It was much wider in his drawings. Um, Padme has a very interesting hairstyle. Hairstyle continuity is important for, like, Padme and Leia. Um, her ponytail in the ship you can see is a bunch of, like, rigid loops. It's a very strange um, hairstyle. Um, and then when she meets her uncle Ono for the first time, they're speaking Huttese, and she's greeting him in Huttese, and he responds in Huttese, not in a Rhodian language or in basic. There's stuff about her costume, too. Um, she's wearing sort of this purple head piece that shows up in a couple places in Clone Wars. This is modeled after an unused costume for Natalie Portman in Episode 2, but it was white, not purple, in her costume concept, um, but it gets reused here. Um, and I just want to point out one, one, one last thing, if I can. This is one of those Clone Wars decoded episodes where you get the pop-up video factoids about moments in the show, but this one is narrated... The pop-up video, like thought bubbles placed over the action, is narrated by Anakin, not by C-3PO, which the previous ones were narrated by either C-3PO or R2. Um, and he gives a bunch of factoids about the episodes. Nothing's too interesting um, in the breakdown there, but um, if you want to, there's a there's a nice blog that has all the pop-up. Is it just Star Wars trivia sort of thing that he's like saying, like, or is it like a meta thing where he's, it's just a Mant Lanter, Lanter uh, talking about the episode? It's in character, and so it's like it's like C three PO complaining about having to interface with a machine, right? Instead of talking, instead of R two being there to do it, and then it's Anakin. It's like a silhouette of Anakin with like a. Th- a speech bubble above him saying, I designed this droid to help my mom translate um, with translations for all the people traveling through Tatooine, not to interface with droids. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, or he'll say at, at the end, he said something like, I didn't think C-3PO had it in him to save Padme, but I knew he cared about her a lot. He cares about her a lot or something like that. Um, and then they'll throw in things like... Like, the name of his shuttle is the the Lapzig shuttle, or Lapzig cutter, or whatever. It's like, okay. <laughs> it should okay. be like, it should have been one, but like, whose robe is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the comment for that one was, um, C-3PO know, knows it's my robe, he just won't tell anybody, or something like that. Hmm. But that's that's the story that it became, but it, the, the continuity, like the original draft was that... 
It was going to be Quinlan Voss pretending that yeah. Jar Jar was a, using Jar Jar as a decoy, basically. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how you write that one. If you want to make it like a like a court jester becoming the, the knight sort of archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to stop talking now, but do you have anything about production or trivia that you want to discuss further? No, 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 that's it. It's getting kind of late, so I'm going to wrap up. And I know it's even later for you. Um, so yeah, so um, now's the time where we rate an episode. We rate episodes based upon Star Wars characters. So a really great episode would be a original trilogy character, such as Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, etc. A really bad episode would, I don't know, be the... Um, I don't know, like the um, uh, Cobb Vance uh, deputy who gets... Who gets iced right away by, um, um, oh, by, oh, shoot, I can't think of the guy's name now. Cad Bane? Yeah, he gets killed by Cad Bane and causes Cobb Vance to get shot because he gets a little too trigger happy. Uh, so, uh, what do you, what's your ranking, Matt? So, I thought about this a lot, and I, I like the episode, but I don't think it's great. Um, I don't think it's, it's a bottle episode, right? So, it's not super important, and it's sort of played for, comedic value. So I'm going to give it a Salacious Crumb. Salacious Crumb is the Kowakian monkey lizard that is Jabba's pet. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, so I was thinking about this, and I'm just going to uh, I'll give it a um, oh, shoot. The the Gungan captain who captures uh, Jar Jar in in episode one uh, when they Come back to the Gungan city. Tarples? Yeah, yeah, okay. he's he's decent. He has some f- funny lines like 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 ouch time and like you're in deep doo doo or something like that. But um, yeah, I thought it was all right. This is a decent character with a few good lines. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his, his name is Tarples, but if I'm wrong, um, uh, sit on it. Yeah, <laughs> eat shit. It's Tarples now. I renamed that character Tarples. Yeah. All right, good rating. Cool. Can All I right, the, so can I do, do the one. dice? Yeah, do the dice roll. All right, let me find my... We'll let the fate decide, huh? I just happen to have a chance to kill me here. Blue, it's the boy. Red, his mother. All right, so every time we do one of these Clone Wars episodes at the end, after our review and rating... I roll a d20, and sort of a random number generator for us, to determine what we review next. If I roll a 1, we review an episode of the 1985-1986 Nelvana show Ewoks. And if I roll anything else, we'll do the next episode of Clone Wars, which is a good one. Cloak of Darkness, it's season 1, episode 9. Alright, I am ready to roll. Oh no, I rolled a one. Shit. Um, I'll text you the roll, but I just rolled a <laughs> one, which means our next episode is an Ewoks episode. So we will be... <laughs> Damn you, Chance Cube. Damn you. <laughs> so we will be reviewing um, an Ewoks episode next time, but we are also getting very close to the release of um, Tales of the Jedi. And so we'll have some production planning to do around that because we we won't be reviewing that pretty much in around the time it gets released. So um, yeah, I rolled a one. 
Oopsie. <laughs> and and we will review that show um, next time. So uh, you want to play us out? Yep. All right. Here's the outro. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da